outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on FishingBooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at FishingBooker.com to book your trip today. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon. This is episode number 254, and today we are back with another episode of Rut Radio, in which we're hearing from hunters all across the country on the latest with the whitetail rut, with deer activity, with current conditions, and with the strategies and tactics that can help you right now. Alright, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Onyx. And back today for Rut Radio which is our weekly mini-series during the season where we're talking to hunters all across the country to get the latest on what is happening out there in the whitetail woods, the progress of the rut, different conditions that are impacting deer and deer hunting, uh, what kind of tactics are working right now. And um, i got to say I made a huge mistake last week, but because of with schedules, I could not make it for the rut radio show last year, or last week, the intro that is. So I said, Spencer, you know what? You're a mature adult. You can handle Rut Radio all by yourself this week. And then <laughs> and then he goes off the rails talking about all sorts of crazy stuff, <laughs> uh, which I actually really got a kick out of, Spencer. I really enjoyed you speaking as my proxy. Um, well done, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. It would only be fair then if you just did this whole week solo for the intro just to uh, level things out. <laughs> yeah, I should have thought of that ahead of time. Um, but but yeah, we're it is good to be back on here to hear about what's happening across the country. Um, I don't have a whole lot to report myself because I've kind of taken the last week off to get caught up on family. Um, of course, the holidays and, and different things going on after I've been out basically the last month hunting nonstop needed to get reacquainted with my wife and son. So, um, that was good, but it sounds like you just keep on hunting. Um, your wife doesn't seem to care, so that's good. Um, I don't think we've talked on the podcast at least, at least not about your Kentucky hunt. Are you interested in sharing a little about that? Cause that was just a few days ago or last week, right? Yeah, that was, uh, pretty much exactly a week ago. Um, that property that I was hunting kind of sets up 
for like really good field edges and so it's kind of tougher in the mornings but usually better in the evenings and i was seeing all sorts of does on those hunts like sometimes 20 to to 30 deer total with only a handful of bucks and usually small bucks um now i don't think that's like really unusual because i think kentucky has one of the higher deer populations in the country so seeing like 20 to 30 deer there might be like seeing you know five or six somewhere else so i was seeing a ton of deer but just not the quality bucks that I know exist in that area. So I reached out to a few locals, actually, including uh, an outfitter a few hours south of there. And he had said that everyone in their camp was struggling as well. And it seemed like uh, lockdown and some warmer weather had kind of shut things down for that week. So I was there for three days going into the last hunt, uh, the last evening. I was like, I'm just going to shoot the first thing. I want to go home uh, with some meat because I'd only kill a handful of deer this year. And a doe happened to step out in the bean field. So I'm like, perfect. I'll take her, uh, be happy with her and be on the road to, to South Dakota. So I was going to let her get a little bit closer. And right behind her, the the buck that I ended up killing stepped out. happened to be the biggest buck that I saw all week. It just came in the last 20 minutes of the hunt. Uh, so it just about didn't happen. But uh, that was the rut, a deer that I didn't see, you know, for all three days. And, and the biggest deer that I ended up seeing uh, just stepped out at that last moment. What do you think? Was he like stepping out in there, like locked on that doe? Or what was he, what was he doing, do you think? Yeah, he was, he was short behind the doe. He was uh, right behind her. And so um, had I not let that doe get any closer and I just would have, you know, shot her right there, I would have never seen that buck because he was – he was right on her tail. Um, so I think there was still some really quality rutting activity going in, going on in Kentucky last week, but you maybe had to be uh, in a little bit thicker timber or just, uh, you know, be there a few days earlier, a few days later to catch some of those cruising bucks. Yeah. So is that consistent with what you've been hearing from other folks this week? Yeah, I, I think this week, you know, we're not hearing anything about lockdown really. So that was that kind of information is probably seven to t- seven to ten days old uh, for most of the country, but we're still hearing about some like trickling post rut activity. And so, specifically with those mature bucks, this is something you'll hear talked about in this week's episode, and uh, something that you even wrote about, Mark, for uh, the meat eater last week about how for the rut, the younger bucks, it seems to be. A sprint but for the older bucks it's more of a marathon and so you can still find them cruising uh moving around at midday even into december because they have the i guess the knowledge to to look for some of those last remaining willing does all the way through the end of the month yeah and i've also seen and this is something that you know is sometimes overblown like people talk about the quote-unquote second rut like it's this huge thing. And at least from my experience and talking to a lot of people, it's it's not something I usually plan for or really count on or anything like that. But I have seen a couple times during that, sometimes at the first or second week of December. So for people listening right now, you know, coming up here maybe the first few days of December, sometimes you'll get these fawns that reach sexual maturity by that, you know, 30 days after when most does are coming into estrus. So let's say that is if most of the does in Michigan are coming into estrus somewhere around the first couple weeks of November, then you might get some of these really super healthy, more mature fawns might come in the first week or two of December. 
And if you happen to catch that, and again, I'm saying this is usually pretty rare, at least where I hunt, but if you happen to catch it, you might get one of these fawns that gets hot and she might pull in a bunch of bucks. You could have a little mini rut fest. Um, I had this happen to me last year in Ohio where there was one little fawn that happened to be, you know, ready to go. And she pulled like seven or eight bucks running around bucks fighting like full blown November type action on December 7th. Um, so I would just say, you know, I wouldn't necessarily plan for that. But if you happen to see that kind of thing, don't dismiss it as some random anomaly that just happened to happen tonight. You know, realize that that doe is probably in heat, that fawn's probably in heat, and try to take advantage of that over the next couple hunts. Key in on that just like you would if you saw a hot doe on November 7th. You'd want to get right back in there because there's probably going to be, you know, bucks around her. Um, the same thing could possibly happen right now. So that's just something that I, I do keep in mind and keep an eye out for. And on that point, I would say probably the biggest factor if you are having a strong secondary rut or even a witnessed secondary rut is what that age class is like in your area. Now, talking to Bryce Lamley in Nebraska uh, a few times this year, he has mentioned how there's hardly any fawns around um, because there's tons of coyotes in the area, tons of predators, uh, the coyote pelt prices are way down, and so with his record keeping like over the last 30 years, this is the least amount of fawns that he's ever seen. And so in an area like that, if that's what your herd looks like, you're probably not going to see any kind of a secondary rut. Now, like in Illinois, uh, this week we talked to Alex Gilstrom. He mentioned that their age structure seems to be back and recovered from the 2012's EHD. And so he is predicting a stronger secondary rut in his area. Are there any other factors, Mark, that you think would attribute to like a, a strong or weak secondary rod, or would you agree with that? No, I think um, I think also just available nutrition is another thing too, because I believe this to be true from what I understand. That right, if you have doe, or excuse me, if you have fawns that are you know being born at the right time and then have the necessary nutrition to be really healthy and to be at the you know to be able to be sexually mature and healthy enough to be able to come into estrus at this time period. I think those things are not going to be the case in all areas. So in northern Michigan where there's very little food and maybe there's a really screwed up buck to doe ratio or age structure where maybe you're going to have fawns dropping at different times in the spring and they're not going to get a lot of great food, I'd imagine that's a scenario where you're less likely to see that second rut because you're not going to get those does that, or excuse me, I keep saying that, these fawns that are going to be mature and healthy enough to cycle. Um, on the flip side, like you said, a situation like what Alex might have in Illinois, that's probably the opposite. It's a best case scenario where you might get these fawns ready to go. So um, something to something to keep in mind, and I'd be interested to see, you know, as we talk to people next week um, and the week after that, I'll be really curious to, to see who does see any kind of secondary rut and then what their scenario is. I wonder if we'll be able to point to any consistencies there. But like I said before, we talked to Alex Gilstrom this week from Dream Chasers Hunt in Illinois, and then in New Jersey from Red Hand Outdoor Company is Pat Cutter. Then in Texas, we talked to Tyler Jones from the Element Podcast, and then in North Dakota from Ultimate Outdoor Adventures TV is John Arman. Sounds like a good group of folks. Um, I commend you, Spencer, so you don't need to commend yourself. <laughs> um, <laughs> and with that, um, I'm good to go if you are. Yep, let's get to the verse caller. Before we do that, though, let's pause for a word from our sponsors at Whitetail Properties. This week with Whitetail Properties, we are joined by Tom James, a land specialist out of Indiana. 
and Tom is going to be telling us about looking at properties that advertise with cash rent opportunity. Cash rent opportunities can mean a lot of things, and it all relates to the productivity of your soils on, on, the, on the tillable ground. And one thing you might want to make yourself familiar with is what's called the NCCPI rating, which stands for the National Commodity Crop Production Index. And that number usually is a, is a range uh, up to about 100. So you'll see NCCPI ratings of anywhere from, say, 40 or 50 on the low end all the way up to 80s and 90s on good productive farmland. What that means, it's a good baseline to compare your productivity of your soils on a national level. So you always want to get bids on your crop ground from, from farmers. If you're not comfortable, you need to educate yourself on what the going rates are. I mean, sometimes a farmer's been paying historically low rent for a long, long time just because he had a relationship with the previous landowner. But you want to make sure that the current rates that you could get on that property are up to date with what the standard going rates are. And those change from year to year, $150 all the way up to $300 in the past, you know, per acre on, on ground. So make sure you're in tune with the going rates and don't cut yourself short. If you'd like to learn more and to see the properties that Tom currently has listed for sale, visit whitetailproperties.com backslash James. That's J-A-M-E-S. All right, and joining us on the line first is Alex Gilstrom from Dream Chasers Hunt in Illinois. Now, Alex, in Illinois, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? If I had to rank it on 1 to 10 right now, it'd be a, a, a strong a strong seven to an eight with an asterisk <laughs> and the asterisk would be just in the last couple of days. Uh, we've actually had a pretty nasty front move through with a bunch of high wind and, and really cold temperatures. And it kind of seemed to actually, we even got some snow, a couple inches of snow and it seemed to kind of uh, put them in a little bit of a freeze or a hold pattern where the movement hasn't been great the last couple of days, at least from, from what I've seen. But before that it's been, I mean, just in the last week and, in, and even prior, it's been unbelievable, really, really good movement we've had great weather uh pretty much all of of late october into november really good consistent movement and even building movement as it's gotten into later later november here so i'd have to i'd have to give it a pretty pretty high score there with a with a seven or an eight um with the exception of maybe the last couple of days here you touched on seeing great movement but does that mean you're still seeing a lot of rutting activity as well and if so uh, what phase of the rut would you say illinois is in yeah i think we're yeah, so it's great rutting activity, um, and I think uh, it's been a little bit slow to start as far as the the high number of bucks that I've seen really really cruising. It's been getting better and better as it's gotten later into the month, especially as it pertains to November. And uh, I'd have to give it, like I said, a really high score ranking there. And then it's it's been kind of funny with the mature buck activity. It's certainly increased, and I think that's just indicative of kind of moving into the post rut. It's, I would definitely give it a late rut classification into the post rut. Um, with that have seen increased movement from mature bucks though. Having that better movement out of mature bucks. If, if you were targeting, uh, one of those mature whitetails, what kind of areas would you be focused on right now at the end of November? I would start to transition a little bit. What I have been doing and seeing a little bit more movement as a result is transitioning a little bit out of the corridors and getting a little bit closer to like, you know, your funnels or or you're, you're traveling between the the funnels and transition areas between bedding areas. They're still really great and and, and good movement, but I've been seeing with, with obviously the end of the rut, 
coming and, and, and bucks looking for the, the last receptive does or, or the dwindling number of receptive does, focusing more on those food sources and getting a little bit closer to the security cover that kind of transitions or parallels the food sources has been, um, I've been seeing a little bit increased sightings there. Uh, it seems like that's really where the, the congregation or the concentration of movement has kind of been moving to over the last week, week and a half. And, and I kind of expect that to continue to even increase as we, as we get closer into December here. And those areas between bed and food, does that set up better for a morning hunt or an evening hunt? Personally, I, I've always had better luck, uh, in the late, this, this, at this period of the rut moving into the late season in the evenings in those areas. Uh, and then obviously, um, well, not, not necessarily obviously, but what I've, what I've experienced and had better success with was, is still honing in throughout the, the end of the November here. And even into the early December is, um, the bedding, you know, close to the, the security cover, close to the bedding areas or the transition areas between bedding areas for mornings. You touched on that uh, the rut has gone on a little longer and a little stronger this year into November. Uh, does that give any signs or point towards anything for how the secondary rut might look as we're about 10 days out or so from that? It's kind of everybody goes back to, you know, talks about 2012 a lot from EHD, especially here in the Midwest. And Illinois is no different, especially in this area. They had a, a pretty pretty significant die-off. One of the exciting things, I think, in the last two years, especially, and, and, and certainly for this year, uh, has been seeing fawn recruitment, uh, the fawn increase, the increased number of fawns, doe group sizes, and the age structure uh, among those groups has been really, really strong. And I, and I think as a result, we will probably see better post-rut or secondary rut activity than we've seen in a long time. Um, and I, I think that's because the age structure has kind of recovered. Uh, they've come back, kind of hit that hit Mother Nature, hit that reset button, and um, had a few years of, of hardship there. But I think it's really starting to come back strong. And and because of fawn recruitment and good, you know, a lot of uh, twin fawns and um, seeing multiple fawns with does, I think that uh, we're probably going to have a fairly decent, um, fairly decent activity here for for the second rut or, or post rut. As some of our hunting shifts to focusing on food sources, uh, do you find any value in some of those natural food sources like acorns as we get into December? You know, I haven't really spent a lot of time trying to target uh, as far as acorns, particularly like a mast goes for uh, for late season. Um, if you can find a good green browse uh, that deer like to target, you know, back in the timber and cover, for sure. I mean, those can be still be great staging areas. Uh, but here living in, in farm country, uh, like I do, it's, you know, anytime you can get close to grain or it be being corn, beans or corn, or even if there's a cover crop somewhere with brassicas, uh, I hunt, you know, I hunt exclusively public ground here in Illinois. So don't have the luxury of planting food plots. But um, when you can get close to those food sources that are existing either on the public ground or close to it, uh, that are grain here here in farm country that that seems to be it works pretty well for us going forward then in this next week or so what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in illinois i think it's going to stay you know like i said with the exception of the last couple of days and this weird front that came through um i think it's going to be right there at a at a strong seven to an eight you know there's going to be a little bit of a warm snap looks like moving into some some clear weather higher pressure coming in and i think it's going to be really strong i think we're going to continue to see uh, mature bucks on their feet looking for those last available does or receptive does and as the herds continue to to pile in closer to the food 
food sources uh, trying to get ready for the winter, I think that it's going to be a, a higher concentration of that even. So I think it's going to be a great time to be in the woods. Well, Alex, I like your optimism. Good luck with what's left of the season, and thanks for joining me. Thanks, Spencer. Always appreciate it, buddy. All right, and joining us on the line next is Pat Cutter from Red Hand Outdoor Company. Now, Pat, in New Jersey, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, lately, well, um, yesterday our uh, muzzleloader season just opened up. We have a two-day muzzleloader season. Um, I did go out last night. I shot a doe last night. Um, but I'd say as for buck activity the past couple days, it's been it's been pretty mediocre. Um, I think the rut's definitely dwindling down and, um, you know, food's going to start to pick back up a little bit. Um, one of, one of my buddies did shoot a nice buck last night though. Um, I think I'm pretty sure he was a four and a half year old deer, uh, busted off his main beam, but nice deer. Um, but I would, I would probably give it about a five out of 10. I think across much of the Midwest, harvest is just wrapping up. Still, so there's still some standing crops up. Uh, how about in the Northeast? Yeah, I mean, my farm, my my lease that I'm hunting right now, usually the crops are out by the beginning of, of uh, November, but it's been so wet lately, um, this whole fall pretty much, that he still has them up. He hasn't really had the time to get in there to get them out with, you know, without ruining the field. So I, I still have crops standing, and I think that's hurting me from getting pictures right now. Um, I'm actually about to go check two cameras right now. I'm going to hunt tonight since it is the second day of our two-day muzzleloader. I'm going to hunt regardless, but um, I'm going to check two cameras that I can hunt on a west wind and pick a spot real quick and, and uh, jump in. So what's your strategy with those cameras then, uh, knowing that it's post-rut and there's still a lot of standing corn? I still have some over some scrapes that are getting touched once in a while, and then I do have some that I just started put to uh, put out feed for uh, late season to help to help get pictures. Um, it is legal to bait here in Jersey and, um, you know, it's a great, it's a great way to get an inventory come a uh, late season. And then if you, you know, if you want to hunt over it, you can, you can hunt over it too. So. Do you ever notice a spike in that sign making as we get towards that secondary rod? Or do you think after this point, it's pretty much irrelevant? Uh, I don't, I don't really notice much. I mean, if you do get that, that, um, doe coming into her second round, um, you can get lucky, definitely. Um, I usually don't have very much luck, luck with it, but uh, I know it does happen. So, As we get into early December, uh, are there any weather patterns or moon phases that you think positively or negatively will affect buck movement? Um, yeah, I think um, if we can get some cold weather and we can get some snow to cover up all the you know, brows and stuff like that, acorns, and you got, you know, corn or beans you know cut a cut cornfield or, or standing beans i still have some standing beans here um if we can get some snow on the ground I, I, th- I think that would help out a lot um but i don't see any in the near future so um it's kind of just a waiting game now how about with like that late morning or midday movement is that all but over at this point in new jersey as far as i can tell uh yes um, I'm sure they're still, you're still getting a couple big bucks that are cruising for those late does. I, I talked to a buddy, I want to say three days ago, and I think it was, um, the 25th, he had a buck on a, on a, a, a doe early, early afternoon. Um, but from what I've seen pretty much it's, 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 it's out. 
What about with morning sits? Uh, typically, as we get into late season, guys start doing more evening hunts. Do you have any strategies yeah. to to kill a mature buck in the morning? Um, I mean, if you if you got good access and you, and you could sneak in into their bedroom or just outside their bedroom on you know downwind side, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule it out. Um, I don't have a, a great place to really do that. I could potentially do that, but I wouldn't really risk you know blowing them out of there unless I thought that was that was the only way I could kill them. Um, I mean, you can do it, but um, I I probably wouldn't 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 really risk it. Going forward, then, in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in New Jersey? I'd say it's going to be pretty stagnant. Um, the weather's really not doing much. We'll probably have average temps, and the uh, moon phase is getting it's getting dark. I would call it a, a 4 or 5 out of 10. All right, Pat, well, good luck to you and the guys at Red Hand Outdoor Company. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Spencer. All right, and joining us on the line next is Tyler Jones from the Element Podcast in Texas. Now, Tyler, in Texas, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? It's probably a 7, uh, I would think, at least. We've seen uh, quite a bit of cruising, and uh, it's it's not just uh, messing around at all. You know, it's on a fast walk. So uh, if, you're in a, if you're in a funnel, it's a good place to be this time of year. What phase of the rut would you say your part of Texas is in then? Uh, well, in, in East Texas, we're, uh, you know, Northeast Texas and it, it, it's the rut. I mean, we, uh, we start kind of with the traditional dates where everybody else is and, and, uh, we're still going strong this time of year in late November and, and really until December, uh, we consider it pretty much the rut still. So how do your strategies change when you're hunting a place like Northeast Texas versus a place like Kansas in late November? What are your, how do your setups differ uh, from those two areas? Yeah. Um, I mean, when I'm in, in Northeast Texas, I'm going to be sitting this time of year, I'm going to be sitting in a rut, a rut funnel of some sort, uh, some kind of a pinch. Uh, and in particular, where I've been sitting in the last few, few uh, days that I've been hunting in Texas, um, is basically a creek with a bunch of junk in it, a bunch of trash, uh, you know, boat arc trees and stuff that kind of block the way. And then, uh, a big creek, um, that, that creek feeds into, um, come, you know, there's a pretty, pretty narrow, like 60 yard, uh, pinch up against the big creek. And, um, man, there's a great trail. So, I mean, if you see a, a good trail this time of year, um, that's kind of between bedding areas, obviously, I mean, that sets up well, uh, you know, if I was hunting somewhere in the Midwest where you have more traditional rut and you're starting to get more post rut at this time, uh, I'm going to be sitting a little closer to food sources probably and just uh, hoping that cold weather brings the does out and, and uh, <clears throat> that the bugs will follow up before dark. How about with sign making in Texas? Are you still seeing some active rubs and scrapes? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, seeing, seeing quite a few rubs uh, and scrapes are still... Um, still being worked definitely i've got a uh on a private piece that i've got i'm actually made a box grade broke a limb over and they've they've been hammering it uh even up until i guess a couple days ago when i last checked it uh it's still fresh so uh that's exciting it's good to to have your cameras on and be monitoring um as those big deer kind of monitoring to see which does might be coming in late how about with calling or decoying? Is that a strategy that you'd be using right now in Texas? 
man, it's it's not really. Uh, I've been rattling a little bit, but as far as decoying goes, we don't uh, we don't use a lot of decoys uh, where we're at. Our deer densities um, are probably a little lower uh, than most areas compared to the amount of uh, just brush that we have, essentially. Uh, you would think there would be more deer, but uh, they tend to walk in on a decoy pretty close range, and, it, and it's not a good thing uh, sometimes. So we hold off on the decoys, but I have been rattling a little bit, uh, usually starting out pretty light because it's thick cover and just making sure nothing's too close before I really get into it. And uh, I actually rattled a, a little one-year-old buck in the other day, which is something to be, it doesn't sound crazy cool to most people, but that's something uh, to be talked about in East Texas for sure. Uh, we don't rattle too many deer in very often. So uh, I think it's definitely a tactic that could work right now for sure. Last time I talked to you a few months ago, I believe you brought up the the big acorn crop that you're experiencing in that part of Texas. Is that still a factor or not? It is. Um, we actually had, uh, I think most of the most of the Midwest got hit with uh, some pretty good snowstorms and that kind of thing last few days, and that was mainly just. Uh, I mean, it was a little bit of cold weather, but it's a lot of wind, and uh, I actually. Uh, living in a metal roof house right now and so uh, I can hear the acres falling on my on my roof you know all night and basically we had heavy wind or high winds and early in the night it was just like raining down all the rest of the acres on top of the on top of the roof there and then by the morning it was still blowing but there was nothing hitting so I think um, that you're going to see that pretty much all acres have fallen at this point out of the trees here in northeast texas in that uh it's something that you can key in on for the next few weeks until maybe a rain kind of spoils them or something like that so um and we have been seeing we've been hunting near smoke flats up against uh, that particular pinch i was talking about earlier um it's got an oak flat right next to the creek there and and uh those does are coming in there and i mean it's it's like it'd be like hunting a feeder just about uh they're coming in there and and staying there for a while in the morning so it's definitely something to, to key in on i think until we get a little more rain uh or it just gets real late in the year going forward then in this next week or so what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in texas i think that if we uh continue to get some pretty chilly weather it's going to be it's going to be good for sure um, last year our tra- trail camera showed late november as being one of the best times uh for for buck travel uh during daylight hours it seemed like so um i think with that a uh, couple with some cold temperatures um our deer here in northeast texas are pretty thin skin so um they definitely like to hit the food sources uh if you have any ag wheat field that kind of thing um definitely be close to those in uh, the next few weeks for sure all right tyler well, good luck with what's left of the rut thanks for joining me all right thanks Spencer. All right, and joining us on the line next is John Arman from Ultimate Outdoor Adventures TV in North Dakota. Now, John, in North Dakota, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I would say in the past week, it's been at about a 5. You know, what we've seen is in in the last week, things have really tapered off. It seems like our rut was really kicking in hard um, that November 9th in that time where the deer were really um, going at it hard. 
And in this past week, we were just out in Montana hunting uh, mule deer and whitetail and saw very few of the um, bucks still uh, on does. There was an occasional mature buck that was on a doe. But um, for the most part, we have seen things really taper off in the last week. So how will that change your strategy going forward? Uh, what are you going to be focusing on as we get into December? Well, for us, we've, you know, we've always been, we are usually rifle hunting during um, the rut. So um, it's not as crucial for us, but now um, we're getting back into the bow and with the rut tapering down, um, all these deer are run down and the temperature, I look at the forecast next week is supposed to get cold. They are going to be hitting the food sources and that's where we really concentrate on. If we have any standing corn, um, sunflowers, anything like that, uh, we're going to be setting up on, you know, cutting them off. They're going to be getting on their feet a lot earlier. They're going to be moving because they have to, they have to refuel. Um, the bucks that we have taken in the past few weeks have zero body fat on them, and that usually is the case. So we're going to be hitting those food sources. Will you do any morning sits during that time? Absolutely. We do a lot of morning sits. This is probably one of the times we do more than um, in the past just because our deer are – they're staying out um, later, it seems like. This time of year, they will be hanging in the, those food sources and meandering their way back to the um, bedding area. Usually, we have deer moving all the way into 9, 30, 10 o'clock this time of year with the cold temperatures. And so with those morning sits on those cornfields or sunflower fields, are you sitting on a field edge or are you catching them somewhere between that field and the bedding? We do a lot. In the evening, we're usually sitting up on the food sources, um, you know, waiting for them um, to, to get to the food sources. And most of our food sources are right at the end of draws, so we're able to do that. And it seems like the deer we hunt, they go to our food sources and they keep going south into the neighbors and other food sources. So we will set up in between then um, in the morning. So we'll kind of set up between two cornfields, and it seems like they're um, they're never happy with the, the food source you have for them and they go to the next one. So we will get set up in between them and hopefully catch them on the way back. Do you notice a change in bedding as we get into December and some of that colder weather and snow rolls in? Um, we do. And, and one of the things that has hurt us this year is our cornfields are still up. We had quite, I would say 60% of the fields around us were up. A lot of the deer were bedding in the corn and um, not going into the, um, the, you know, the dense cover because of, um, you know, they just feel safer there. With those fields coming off and the temperatures dropping, um, with our northwest winds coming and, and those Alberta clippers coming, those deer are going to be looking for those places that are out of the, um, out of the wind. They'll be going into those coolies and draws. Um, a lot of times ours will start bedding a lot closer to the food source than normal. They'll move up, you know, maybe halfway between them. Uh, just so they don't have to travel further and burn that energy they need. You just mentioned that the winds may be affecting some movement, but are there any other weather patterns or, or moon phases in early December that you think positively or negatively affect your movement? Well, I think it's one of those deals we've, we've always said. We hunt no matter when, and um, it doesn't make a difference what the moon phase is because we all work full-time, and if it's a full moon and we have a day off, we're hunting. But it definitely makes a difference. Um, you know, those deer, it, it seems like no matter what, there's always those two or three days out of that month that are absolutely phenomenal. But we see more of those days, um, the colder the temperatures get, because 
Um, if you're starving and you're hungry, you have to get on your feet and you got to move and you're not going to wait for the moon phase or the barometric pressure. You're going to go by that you need to get fuel in your system. So I think those deer will be a little bit more vulnerable this time of year. Now we're probably about uh, 10 days or so away from that secondary rut. Is there anything that changes for you guys to, to get some of that secondary rutting action? Uh, no, we really don't. We don't really change any kind of tactics. We're still sitting on the food sources because if the does are coming to the food source, um, the buck um, is right behind them, and then you get that activity, and then you can you might be able to catch them um, on their feet a little bit longer and chasing. Uh, but nothing really changes for us. We're still hunting those food sources because that doe is going to be hitting those food sources, and then she's in heat and cycle. Uh, the buck's going to be right behind her. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in North Dakota? I'm going to say the buck activity is going to be, as far as rutting goes, probably in that 3 to 4. I think you're still going to catch that occasional one out there. But I think the deer activity is going to be good because of the colder weather, and they're going to be hitting those food sources. All right, John, well, good luck to the north. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, buddy. Have a great day. And that concludes this week's episode of Wired to Hunt's Rut Radio. Thanks to Alex, Pat, Tyler, and John for joining me, and thank you guys for listening. As always, make sure you're following Wired to Hunt on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, and follow me at Spencer Newharth and my blog at Rutfresh on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. The next time I talk to you guys is going to be December, so get the long johns out and get ready for some late season, cold season hunts. Until then, stay wired to hunt. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.